want to share a word with you that the Lord gave me on December the 16th um, concerning this house and our entire Triumph Church. The Lord says, for there is a coming together of events and circumstances, opportunities and divine connections. Now, let me just stop a minute. You know, this house has been built on the Word of God. We believe in the Word of God. Whatever translation, whether it's New King James, King James, NIV, I don't know which one you read, but the Word of the written Word of God is the most powerful book. It's the most powerful uh, uh, weapon that you have at your disposal, the Word of God, the Bible. It is the authentic, true Word of God. And we have built this house on that. Everything we do and say, we judge it by that Word. And if it doesn't line up with that Word, we don't teach it and we don't preach it as a Word from God. So we believe in the Word of God. And we also believe that if you try to labor on your own without the Word of God, then you're just laboring in vain. Because the only thing that's going to build this house is the Word of God. The Word of God's built. We believe in it. We esteem it high. He esteemed His Word above His name. That's how powerful the Word of God is. It will change your life. It will give you opportunities. It never fails to amaze me. I pick it up and read it and say, I have read that for 50-something years, and I just read it, and my Lord Jesus, it's, I never saw that there before because it's relevant to every generation. It's powerful. However, when the ink dried on the last page, chronologically or by book, the last book of Revelation, when the ink dried, the first time it was written, and then the many translations later, years later, it was not over. God did not quit speaking. He still speaks today. And so everything that He speaks through us today must line up and be judged by that Word. However, it wasn't over and when the book was shut. So we believe, and those of you that have never heard a prophetic word, and we have new ones in here today, you need to know that this house believes in the gifts of operation in the Spirit being operated in the church today. And we believe in hearing a fresh rhema word that correlates and is judged by the Word of God. Now are you with me? Okay, just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. So, and here's what. We don't believe it's any less than we believe God's powerful. His word is powerful and it will change your life. And it's, Timothy said, look, stir up the gifts. And when you get down and when you can't make it through the day, then bring back to your remembrance the words that I spoke over you and to you, the prophetic word of God. So I'm giving you a word right now because I believe that this can and will encourage you to move into these next few days and this next season with enthusiasm, with excitement. And if you've had a bad year, leave it behind. Go on. Let's move on. Say, move on. Give it to the Lord. And if there are prophecies that haven't been fulfilled that you thought would be, don't give up on them just because the calendar turned over. It's okay. It may happen in the next few weeks. There's still two days left. Who knows what God's going to do? But there, the word of the Lord says there's coming together of events and circumstances, opportunities and divine connections. I receive that. A divine setup of my spirit is upon this house and the people of this house, says the Lord. And I will take you into places and venues you have not yet even influenced. And I will cause your mouth to speak. For yes, says the Lord, you will be a voice to the nations from this very place. I will release great global kingdom impact. Now, I believe it. I believe the word of the Lord. Listen, he says, I will extend grace, grace, grace. Somebody say, I need grace. 
I will bring your loved ones into the kingdom and establish them. I will establish them in this house. And I will give you grace now. Now, this was the 15th, and I just got here. I'm kind of like got held up. You know, like the angel help. But, but, but I'm here now. And God's going to have to redeem your time. Nederland and Beaumont had from the 15th. But God says that I will. The kingdom will establish them. I will give you grace to get your affairs in order and complete assignments. Get your affairs in order and complete assignments. For the new year will come with sure focus and alignment. And great strategy for the most significant and most effective season for this house and the peoples of this house. Alignment is coming quickly. Alignment is coming. Divine alignment is coming quickly. Get your affairs in order. You will see very quick and extreme growth in this house and ministry. For I am setting you up for extreme impact, says the Lord. Now, Lord, we just receive your word in this house. I ask, Lord, that you apply it to our lives and let it channel itself into our spirits. Let it dig deep into our hearts. Let us receive it into our spirits, Father, that we may enact it in our everyday life as we begin to live out your word, knowing that you're causing grace to come upon us. You're going to give us alignment for assignments for effective, the most effective season yet for this house and the people of this house. And we praise you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Again, thank you, those of you that are here and those that are watching online that have been a part of this house this year. We're looking forward to some wonderful, wonderful things coming up. I'm looking for a Kleenex anywhere. Has anybody got one of those? Thank you, sir. I just rebuke that stuff that's going around. There we go. Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> thank you for bearing with me a moment. Now, if you want to uh, go with me to the book of Matthew, the 20th chapter, put your hand there. I want to talk to you about how to find true greatness. Now, I shared some of these principles. I'm, I may have an opportunity to share a little bit more in this, uh, in this service today and, and than I did in the first. I'm not sure. It just depends on how the Holy Spirit moves. But um, I do know that there is there's something that God is doing inside of me. And usually when he is doing that, I found over the years just an experience that it's not all about me. It's usually God is stirring me up to give out and help others as well. I always try to live what I preach and apply it to my life first. But it isn't always and, and, and never hardly is about me. It's usually about what God wants to say through us. So I, I feel the stirring of the Spirit. And what I'm about to minister to you is not very, very deep. And I love deep stuff. I love to dig in and find stuff nobody else has found. Saying, oh, that is just unbelievable. I've never seen that before. This probably isn't going to be one of those sermons. And it's probably not going to be one of those messages that's going to make you run out of here today and run down the street jumping and hollering and screaming and saying, I've never heard or seen anything like it. However, it is going to prepare you for one of those times coming up because I'm coming back in January with part two. And part two is going to make you jump up and run down the street and make you so excited you're not going to know what to do with yourself because I have a revelation that I've never had before and God's sharing some things with me and opening up. But this is part one setting the stage, okay? So this is part one. You'll get part two in, in January, and hopefully it will make you excited and want, want you to jump and give you some uh, acceleration in your spirit. But I believe this is going to give you understanding, you need understanding. Uh, Solomon could have had anything in the world. He asked for wisdom. And God gave him that. And understand, uh, understand. He said, so that I might have an understanding heart. 
toward these so great a people. So I believe God is going to do that for us today. Now recently, and by the way, I want to thank all the ladies that came to Inspire, that came to when they honored me in Houston. I thought they got the wrong person, honestly, for the longest. It was truly a venue that I have not yet been a part of and a different genre of people. But it was a, a wonderful day and an exciting time for me. And thank you, ladies, that came to be a part of that. You will never know in a trillion years how much it meant to me. All the hundreds of people there to see your face meant more than anything. And thank you for being a part of that. Uh, at that meeting, on two days, one day I went to the luncheon. That night I went to the awards, um, uh, the conference. And, and a guy by the name of Pat Williams. Does in, are there any men in here who know who that is? Yeah, there's a few men in here who know who Pat Williams is. He owns Magic, uh, the Magic uh, basket, Basketball team. Yeah, it's basketball. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I do have some sports fans in here. He, he's a known author and speaker, 20-something books. And he, that day um, that I went to the luncheon, he was the guest speaker, and they paid him lots of money to come in. He did a fine job. At the end of that, he gave us seven that day. He gave us seven points to true greatness. And they were nice. They were wonderful. And if I, I've got them right here on my phone. If I had time, I'd run through them. They're very effective and the good things that you need to know. And then that night at the, the awards deal, he gave us 13 points to greatness. And uh, by the time we got through, I was asleep. But no, no, I'm kidding. No, it was just, but it was good. And tell him I said it was. It was very good. But it stirred something in me. Because at the end of the day, I thought, because God had been talking to me about greatness, and I got all his points, and they were good. Now, really, I've been trying to apply them to my life. They were very practical. But then I said, hmm, I think I'm going to go to the Word of God and see what he says about greatness. Because after all, the very first person that he had covenant with was this guy named Thank you. Somebody's read the word. Abraham. It's not a trick question. Because God said to Abraham, I will make you... What? I will make you great. And your descendants will be able to have, for years to come, they will own... I mean, they will multiply. The planet will multiply because of... But God started off by saying, I will make him great. Now, I know the church don't want to talk about great. No, we don't want to talk about greatness. God is great, but everybody else needs to be low, low, low. Well, that's not what God says. He wants us to be great. There's something inside of him because he is great. And if we're reflecting him... It only stands to reason that we should be great. However, the difference is there's, there's something different about the world's translation of great of, and God's translation of great. So I, I went to the Word and said, hmm, because there's this thing inside of me that's been stirring. <coughs> because deep, deep inside of me, the older I get, the more reflection I have, oh God, have I made a difference? Have I really lived up to my potential? Has what you placed inside of me? Because there is something inside of us, of every single one of us. How many of you really, truly in your heart can say, it's not a trick question, I really want to do something great in my lifetime. I want to do something. That's okay. I hope everybody in here has felt that way. Now, you may not can be the greatest athlete. We've got some wonderful pro athletes in our church in Sugarland, and they're unbelievable, and I know they've done great things, but my body wasn't built like theirs. I don't quite have the essentials that they have, but because that's not my DNA. Then God has given every single person in here something. Now, why do we admire people who are confident and secure and who seem to have signs of success, lives that have taken significant roles and you see they're significant and made a difference in this world. Why do we admire that? Why is there something in us that's drawn to that? I'll tell you why. Because there's something on the inside of us 
that was meant for greatness is sensing that and being drawn toward that because there's this draw inside of us to that. Uh, what you see in them is calling out to something on the inside of us, in each one of us. But everybody enters the world with a hidden assignment. Write that down. If you're taking notes, if you're taking notes on your iPad, everybody enters the world with a hidden assignment. And the first thing you're going to say was, why is it hidden? Well, God's always been about hiddens and seekings and searchings and lookings and many secrets and mysteries because the Bible calls the gospel a mystery. The Bible calls Jesus, God living in a man, a mystery. God talks about a secret place. Who who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Most of the Almighty. And the Bible talks about a mystery language where we speak in another tongue. It's the tongues in the life of the believer. And the Bible talks about your life is hidden with God in Christ. All these hidden. I'm just telling you some of the things that God talks about in the Word. And, uh, and why is it that everybody seems to live with this silent frustration down on the inside? Now i got somebody's attention. Because some of you know you have this deep, hidden, silent frustration. It's always the frustration of who you are and who you're supposed to be. Who am I right now and who are you supposed to be won't leave who you are alone. And so there's this frustration because there's something on the inside keeps drawing you to come up higher. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well... You couldn't, I don't know about you, but some of you probably, if I know this, this crowd at all, some of you, I think, in here had some fun sinning. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you want to look cool and, and pious and religious, but there's some people in here who had some fun sinning, and you remember, you, uh, and you <coughs> did everything you could to make it the best you could. Well, I didn't ha get to have a lot of fun doing that. Not that I missed anything, but, and not that I was perfect, but I was raised in a very, very legalistic environment where everything was wrong. We couldn't do anything. But I do know about people's testimonies who came up out of that environment. And the thing that they would tell me was they couldn't, you know, it, we had so many rules, they couldn't live up to the rules. There was no way they could live up to the rules. And decide, they decided that, look, if I'm going to go to hell anyway because I didn't live up to the rules, I might as well go to hell in style, so let's just hire a limo and take everybody we can with us and do it right. Y'all, some of you went th were there. Y'all, some of you were in that limo on the way to God, turned you around and headed you in the right direction. But there was a person that lived in all of them that wouldn't leave them alone. And... Uh, they had to be by themselves, they'd tell me. You know, they wanted to be with people all the time. They didn't want to be by themselves. One reason they didn't want to, because if they got trouble, in a lot of trouble, they wanted to make sure they weren't in trouble by themselves, because if you're going down, boy, we're going down together. So, you know, it's that. But finally, at some point, when you're laying in bed at night by yourself, and I don't care whoever is around you, there's still that time where there's nothing but you and your conscience and the Spirit of God around you, and you have to give an account somehow when you finally go to bed and there's something on the inside of you rattling your cage and making you miserable because you are not living up to what's on the inside and what God has predestined and predetermined foreknowledge you to be. God is somehow wanting to rein you back in. Now, some of you have got a big picture in your mind of that right now. Now, listen to what Colossians 3 says. <coughs> Sorry. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden, hidden in Christ in God. 
1 Corinthians 2.9 says, For eye has not seen and ear has not heard what's in the heart of God for his people. Not meaning years to come in the great by and by on, still on streets of gold way over yonder in glory land. But he was talking about right here, right now. Your eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what's in my heart for you. I've got big things in store for you. And then 1 Corinthians 2.12 says it like this. And I want you to underline these words when I get to it. Now, we have received not from the spirit of the world, but the spirit, capital S, who is from God. Say, from the spirit of God. That we might. Why have we received from the spirit of God? That we may know. Oh, I thought he's trying to hide it. He's not trying to hide things from us. He's trying to hide things for us. So that we would discover. So that's why he says, seek and you shall find. Seek me. He wanted to keep us seeking after him. Searching after him. He said, because I want you to know the things that have been freely given to you by God. So, it's hidden. But he doesn't want you to get your whole life and not know. He wants you to know. (coughs) He wants you to know what he has hidden for you. That's why the prodigal son, the word of God says that he came to himself. He came to himself because he's sitting there thinking, oh, there's a whole lot more than this. He truly was, and it took a series, you know, it, it really probably took a series, and it did in his case, of difficult situations to get him to that place to say, there's more. There's more. There's a whole lot more than this. Get myself up. I'm coming to myself. Now, I know there's a lot of people in here. In fact, all of us at some point found ourselves at that place. Some of you, it took a whole lot of difficult situations to finally get yourself up and say, enough's enough. There's more. Others of you, it didn't take quite so many. You got right on up and said, I don't want to live there, that, in that. I've got more in the house of God. But then there may be some of you today that haven't found that yet. And you haven't come, but you will come to a place where inside of you is this thing that's calling and drawing you and saying, there's more. There's more. And I pray that today you will find that place. So for some, of course, it didn't take a lot to get to that place. Eventually, we all have to pick ourselves up off the floor and say, wait a minute, I'm better than all this. Is anybody in agreement with me? Now look at what he says. He said that your life was hidden. Then he said the Spirit knows about your life. Three things I want you to know, I want to teach you real quick that are simple and profound. Number one. Who knows a man except the spirit of the man within him? So the spirit of the man is the only thing that can teach you and, tell, and, and cause you to know. Secondly, and who knows God except the spirit of God? So how if the spirit of the man knows, but you can't really know unless it's the spirit of God. See, here's number three. The spirit of God is the same thing as you're born again. Spirit, your born again human spirit is the spirit of God on the inside. And the spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 3 and Corinthians 6. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you not know that you are the habitation? You are the very carrier of the presence of God. Now you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your life is known by God. Your life is already known, or in fact, foreknown by God. Now get this. I'm going somewhere. I'm laying a foundation. Are you with me? So your life is foreknown. Actually, foreknown means to know ahead of time. So God got your life, and he wrote the last chapter. And then he started and went back and filled in all the chapters. See, here's what happens. God goes here. And works from the end to the beginning. We look and work from the beginning to the end. And God says, I already know the end. Because I predestined. I in my foreknowledge was able to pre before. Go ahead and cause your destiny to be available to you. 
Is anybody with me? And it's going to be up to you to seek me. It's going to be up to you to discover what I've already made available to you. But you're going to have to work for it a little bit. I'm not trying to hide it from you. I'm trying to hide it for you. I'm trying to keep it for you. So what I is going to happen is, oh, yeah, well, uh, I, I, my Lord, would you look at that? Uh, ten years later, uh, I never would have thought, well, he did. Well, I never would have known. Well, he knew. Well, can you believe all of that? Oh, my Lord. And God will cause you to look at something bad that happened in your life to see how he worked something great in your life. For instance, well, my Lord Jesus, have mercy. Would you look at that? 12, 13, 14 years ago, I got fired from that job, made me so angry. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be a Christian, and at least I look like one. And, you know, I try to act like one, and they fired me from that job. you believe they did that? But look, oh, my Lord, who would have ever thought? Maybe he would have because he's already seen ahead in time and he's got it working backwards and he's putting the pieces in place. And my Lord, I would have never even thought that if I hadn't lost that job, I never would have gone over there to that church at Triumph in Beaumont over there off the freeway, went down to that altar and that lady prayed for me. My Lord told me, don't worry, God had a better job. And I went over there and got that better job. Then I went back to church and I found Ed, Rufus. No, excuse me, not both of them. Let's see, Rufus. Okay, I found Ed and he wasn't right. Then I found Rufus. And Lord Jesus, I want you to look. Can you believe? Now Rufus and me, we done had us three kids. One of them is on staff at Triumph. One's leading the worship. And one's about to graduate from Bible school. And none of that would have happened. It's, can you believe? I never would have thought. But look what God did. Yeah, God went ahead and he knew what was going to happen. So then he just started putting the pieces together. And that thing that looked so bad when you lost that job was the very thing that caused you to get into the flow and the destiny that God had for you. Because all things work together. Is anybody there? So somewhere, somewhere, there's something inside of you that's declaring over and over, there's more, there's more. There's something inside of us that God has for us. And God knew all along. Who would have known? God would have known. Now, the Bible says that God has tucked your life away in your spirit man and the Holy Ghost, say the Holy Ghost. That's the only ghost I believe in. And he's real and genuine. And the Holy Ghost got inside. Now, I need to illustrate, so I'm going to ask, uh, let's see. Give me, give me Dino and Lisa again. They were good at the first service. We'll let them be. Dino's going to be God. Now, don't let him get a big head after church. Tell him it's just an illustration. Say it's just an illustration. Now, don't go home and try to be that to her, Dino. Okay. Now, I'm going to be the Holy Spirit. Not Junior. I'm the real thing. Okay. Now, she's going to be her. She's going to be Lisa. Okay, now here's what happens. In order, according to the Word of God, because God knows all things, and He's already, in His foreknowledge, knows your DNA and knows what's for you. So if I'm the Holy Spirit, I've got to get inside of her, but inside, before I do that, I've got to find out the mind of God. I've got to find out from Him. So I'm going to God and say, I need you to download in me everything that's potentially hers. Go ahead and do it right now. Start. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She's going to marry a handsome Yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, no, that's right. And he's going to make millions and yes, millions. Ma'am. I know. Okay. And so he downloads. God downloads in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, she receives Jesus in her life. She makes him her Lord and Savior. Then she gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, just covered from head to toe in the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost starts leading her. Oh, excuse me. What does he do? And guiding her and telling her of things to come. Excuse me. And then all of a sudden, she kind of scoots me, the Holy Ghost, that was me, out of the way a little bit. And she starts kind of going her own way because she's going, wants to start going back, you know, and settling for what she used to be. But the Holy Ghost, that's me, that's inside of her. 
says, no, 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 girl. You come on back because I got more. There's more. There's more. You ain't through yet. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to protect you. Y'all were good. Thank you very much. Awesome. See, that's what happens in our life is there's something inside of us that's this continual frustration and this continual, there is a tension, if you please, where the flesh wants to go back and settle, but the Holy Spirit is doing handstands and saying, no, don't settle for what you used to be. Don't even settle for good. Good is an enemy of great. I want you to be great. I want you to be full potential. I'm telling you, y'all, I want you to know this with all of my heart. If you want to really know what's inside of me, I, I really struggle with people that have a hard time of people exceeding what other people expect of them. I, when they get mad about it, when they get jealous and envious and strifeful and they're mad about it. See, that's where many of us are wrestling because there, we know there's more in what's on the inside of us. There's a hidden assignment, and there's some people don't want you to get free of that and really, truly be able to fulfill the God-given destiny on your life. Do you know that everybody's not for you doing that? Even some of your so-called friends, and I'm going to keep my head down while I look at that. But what's inside of you is a hidden assignment. It's a hidden assignment. And so there's some things that are more. And there's, that's when God says, this hidden assignment that God let you enter the earth with, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the assignment is because he wants to lead us and guide us. And then you need to start prophesying what the Holy Spirit has already told you. And you don't need somebody else necessarily to tell you everything the Holy Spirit is already capable of telling you yourself. And if he's telling you that, begin to release it into your life and begin to walk in that because it's not an information. If you want to know and you want to get into here, what you, you want to get into your head and you want to get it into your mind and you want your mind to be the mind of Christ, then you got to listen to what's happening in the spirit and in your heart because it's, it's a revelation. It's revealed to us by the Spirit of God. It's discovered. And that's why Jesus, this message of the kingdom, is, is perplexes us even today. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in me. In fact, Ecclesiastes puts it like this. He has put eternity in their hearts. He has put something that will never, ever die inside each one of us. There's something huge and big. It's the biggie. You think you've just biggied? You know, your neck size and got a big a size bigger of French fries. There's something so much bigger that God has for your life than you ever, ever have had even the thought to believe God has something great. So, let's go. Have you got Matthew 20? You got it? You're there. Hold on. I'll be there in a minute. Y'all got it. Okay. Now, go there. Let's, talk, let's see what Jesus says about this greatness, because there's some things stirring in my spirit about this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with their sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you want? What do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Jesus said to him, we're they, and they, he said, are you able? And they said, we're able. He says, all righty then. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Very important. They usually are. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority. That's what happens in the world. The great ones exercise it over them. Yet it shall not be in the kingdom. It's not going to be like that. Now, God, he's about to give us very important truths here. But whoever desires to be great among you, okay, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. They came to him wanting to be great. 
That's a carnal desire, and it's nothing wrong with that. And Jesus did not in any way reprimand them for that. He did not get mad at them for that. I know the church don't want to talk about greatness. The church sometimes and people that are religious wants you to be beaten down a little bit. That is not what Jesus wants. Everybody in here should have a desire for that, should have a desire for greatness. So let me break this story down as I see it. It's, here we are. There's about some trouble about to be stirred up because we got ten disciples and um, two of them desire to advance past them. And if you've ever got friends together and they're all on the same page and the same level and one of them decides, you know, they're going to, you know, pursue greatness and before you know it, they get a promotion and now they are your boss. You want to talk about some conflict because there's something about human nature. We just, you know, we want to keep everybody down. I, I do not know where this came from, so help me God. I, I, out of the abundance of the heart, something happens and I had to repent. But I don't even remember. It must have been 50, 40 years ago at least when I heard this. The other day, it has nothing to do with my message, but I just have to tell you, just, I thought of it. The other day, I am going down the highway, and I start singing this song. i tell you what it tells you. It's the power of words. It's the power of singing. It's the power of something that you let get in your spirit. And so I'm going down the road. I'm singing, my dog's bigger than your dog. My dog's bigger than yours. Y'all never sang that? My dog's bigger because he eats kennel ration. My dog's bigger than yours. Did y'all ever hear that advertisement? Help me, Jesus, I don't know where that comes from, but it's just a nature inside of us that mine's better than yours and you ain't going to get me in. But that is the human element. That's not the God DNA element. The God DNA wants everybody to be elevated. Wants your sisters and brothers. Well, these two guys, uh, they, they kind of, what I think, you know, they, they're conniving and manipulative, but they kind of use Jesus, you know, his sympathetic nature toward women. So they do like... You know, guys do. I know guys. I've got two. I've got two boys. One's older than the other, but I've got two. And, you know, they go to mama and kind of work the back door. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. They said, we don't want to make anybody mad up in here, so let's get mama to do it for us. And that's just kind of my interpretation there, you know, after having three grandsons later. And so it poses a problem and a dilemma. So they come desiring, concerning the question of greatness. And again, I think we need to teach all of our children, I think we need to teach everybody that, that there is nothing wrong with greatness. There's absolutely nothing wrong of, uh, of you elevating your life. But here we are, and they say, now that's what... You can be. And Jesus says, I don't mind at all. I don't have any problem with your greatness, but I'm going to give you a clue. So let's go to clue number one. We only get two today. This is the first one. Number one, Jesus says, if you want to be great, if you want my place, if you want to sit by me, then you, number one, you got to drink the cup that I have drank. Say, number one, drink the cup. Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Here is the issue. There's two things Jesus said. Every place of greatness, there's a cup that goes along with it. There is a cup that goes along with greatness. And here is the deal. You only get the grace for your cup. Now, with every grace... There is also that, that thing that continually strives against you. There's that thing that is continually working against you. And that, there's that restrictions that keep trying to choke you out and, and, and cause you to stop from being. There's that, that fight against the grace. And what happens when people decide to take on somebody else's cup because they really cannot have anybody's cup. You only get one cup and it's yours and nobody else's. And people that resent that struggle. But when you try to take on somebody else's cup and you don't have the grace to overcome the difficulties that come with the cup, 
then you end up crashing and burning and getting mad and leaving and losing and going through all kinds of bitterness and anger. Because along with every cup is a grace of God to drink the cup. Because the cup is what gets you to greatness. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. You don't know, man, those people, they got a silver spoon in their mouth. You hear the resentment all the time. They were born with it. Let me tell you, if they didn't drink the cup at the beginning, in order to keep what they have, they will drink a cup along the way. Because with every greatness, every DNA God-given, there is a cup that comes with it. That's why I struggle with people that are always envious and always mad and always angry and always have a spirit of entitlement and always have, well, you know what? My dog's better than yours and I should have had this because I've done her. No, 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 you ain't done what I've done. You don't know what they've done. It's kind of like the people that are mad because somebody drives up. Did you see those people? Oh, you can't believe I drove up beside them at the red light and that Bentley, that doctor was in there. He thinks he's so great. Well, the deal is, what you may not realize is, he had to go two years to get his associate degree. Then he had to go two more years to get his bachelor's degree and keep a four-point average at that, hoping he might get in medical school. Then when he goes to medical school, he's got to, every year for four years, he's got to keep his, his level up and he's paying a hundred grand a year and he's borrowing every cent of that probably and he's got to go four years to do that to even get into his residency where he lives in a locker room and there's where he he drinks coffee to three o'clock in the morning because he's working 90 hours a week to get paid nothing and then when he gets out at about 34 35 to finally start getting money he's got to pay four hundred thousand dollars back do you want his cup Sorry, I just thought I'd mention that too. You know, that's the problem. We want the, pot, we want the great, but we don't want the cup. And Jesus said, yeah, I don't mind you. Sweetheart, darling, precious, come right on in. You can get on up here by me, but are you willing to drink the cup? That's where the church is. But here's the great part. To every single person that God has all overshadowed with his spirit. He has given you plenty grace, grace, grace. You can drink it. But you can't drink somebody else's cup because you don't have what it takes to overcome. You don't have mixed in your DNA enough to restrain from everything. And there's not enough grace mixed in that cup because that cup wasn't yours. But when the church gets a hold of what God has given us on the inside and we say, this is my cup. This is my cup. Yeah, and we had some pastors recently. Little old, he was precious. God meant good. But he said, I tell you what, I'm going to be just like Triumph Church. He said, I'm going to break racial barriers everywhere in my region. And I'm saying, that's great. God wants you. That's everybody. But are you willing to drink the cup? You better be willing to drink the cup. And the cup of this house has great grace on it. And when you become a part of this house, God has poured grace out on this house. And there is greatness in this cup. It's awesome what God has for us. And His grace is abounding while we stay and keep drinking what He's given us to drink. Say, drink the cup. The fact is, you can't drink somebody else's cup. So you can't do it. It's just, I can't, it's just a cheap copy. I, I went to, I've been to Vegas, you've been to Vegas, and there's Elvises on every single corner out there, and they're all singing the same song, nothing but a hound dog, you know, whatever they're singing. They're singing the same song, but you got one that, you know, he's over here, and he's, it's this unbelievable looking on the outside, but you can buy it, this high-collar jumpsuit for $50 of this Elvis suit. But it's just a cheap copy because in the museum for about $500 million is the real thing. And I just tell you, God is don't want no cheap copies of anything. The only thing that is going to make your authenticity, that is going to make you real in a world that's fake and fraud and everything, is you being what God has designed and destined us to be. And living out the purpose of God on the inside of you. And being willing to say, I'll drink it. 
because that's mine. Nobody else can have it. Nobody else can have the cup. Nobody else can have the DNA. Nobody else has that that greatness in them that I've got. I've got something that only I can do. Now, that's number one. Say, that's number one. This is number two. Jesus said, this is how the world does it. He says, this is how they get great. Most people do it like this. He said, they step on somebody and push them out of the way and get up here. And push them out of the way and get up here. And push them out of the way and get up here. And push them out of the way until what they don't realize it is they have made them a house of cards and at any second they're, they're going to fall flat on their face. That's the world's way to do it. But he said, in the kingdom, we don't do it that way. We drink the cup. Because we know that in the cup is not only, it's not only, sometimes it's bitterness, sometimes it's hurt, but all the joy that's in it too. And all the greatness that's inside of it. And then he said, but there's a second thing. And he said, this is what I want you to know. Take what you have. In other words, let him who wants to become great be the servant of what? A few people. You don't take that, and you just don't give that gift to anybody. That's what we used to say. You just don't give that gift. I got another another revelation of that. No, you don't take your life and your heart and literally lay it out on there and let the swine and you know you don't you don't allow that. But the gift that God gave you was for the world. It wasn't for yeah, but that's my gift. No, it isn't your gift. No, 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 no. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. It's the gift that he has allowed you to steward. And he said, you be the servant of all. And I will make room for you. I'll make room and I will exalt you. But you first, if you want greatness, if you want to achieve greatness, you got to drink the cup. And you've got to be a servant to all. Say to all. Say to all. Now see, that's not just at church. That's everywhere you go. That's every place. When you take what you have, when you take what you've been given, and some of you may have been given lots of mental, intellectual property inside of you, and you're technical. When you take what you've been given and you start serving the world with it, you start serving. Some of you, your gifting is what you do for a living. Some of you, it is your calling. So for somebody else, it is the provision for your calling. But, but no matter what, it's what gives you your greatness. It gets you before great men. That gifting inside of you. That greatness inside of you. And you take it. This is how you do it. You take what you've given and you start serving people. And this is how you know if you're doing it right. If you're gifting and your life... Well, let me just stop and back up. The people that you esteem as great in your life. Think about that. Who are those people? That the people that you think you esteem in your personal life as the greatest. Those are the people that have somehow elevated your life in some way. They've taken what they've had and helped elevate you in some way. May it be a many miles. I don't know what it is or where they've come from, but the people that you esteem as great are those that have elevated your life. Greatness is not thinking you're great. Greatness isn't deciding you are great. Greatness is other people esteem you as great. You don't decide you're great. Real greatness and genuine greatness comes when you truly take your gift, serve it to a world, and their lives are elevated. But it's for all. It's for everybody. And the Word of God says it will make room for itself. I don't believe this is in this house at all, but I constantly remind myself that this, this body is not here to serve me. We're here. This platform is here to serve you because it's not about me. It's about elevating everybody in my life, every place I come to. I told the first service uh, something that happened really that was brought it so home to me <coughs> about the 17th or 18th day. I don't know it was on a Friday or Saturday, so it must have been 15th or of December. It was the madhouse in Houston, Texas. And I had to get to this place, and I had to have this, 
thing this, that I had to have. I had to have it because we were doing this, this big meeting and I had to have this serving dish thing and it was part of what I was doing and I was running in Home Goods, an awesome, wonderful, anointed place of God. And uh, it's a subsidiary of Marshall's, my maiden name. So in Jesus' name, I'm claiming my inheritance. So I'm, I'm headed to Home Goods. And so I'm in a rush. I'm already barely going to make it, just barely going to make it. And I am in a rush, and it's in the season. There's hundreds of people everywhere. They're moving. You barely can find a parking place. And God drove me into the right one right up close, and I'm running. And just as I'm about to get into the building. And just as I'm about to get to the door, there's this precious couple, a uh, little older than me, and uh, they're behind me, and, and they were trying to rush to get to the door too. But of course, they did not have nearly as important a task as I had. I needed to get to, I was, had much more of an agenda than them, the very thought of them trying to get ahead of me. And I needed that three seconds more than, you know, waiting on them. So I rushed right in front of them. And, you know, and they didn't say a word, but I, oh, I could see the looks that were burning in the back of my head. And the Holy Ghost stood up inside of me. I mean, the Spirit of God stood up inside of me. And I didn't go through this long candor of, you know, and this long dialogue of discussion. Do you know what you've been called to do? do, do, do. No, I didn't. But the Spirit of God just immediately caused me to start doing the right thing. It got me back. The Holy Ghost said, mm-mm-mm, you were born for more. And I was like Lisa. I was trying to settle back down to the world standards. And God said, uh-uh, I got an elevation. You can do higher than that. So you know what I did? I rushed right in front of them. And I got there and acted like I did that on purpose. I opened that door and said, y'all, come on in. Come in. Oh, Merry Christmas. I hope you're having a great day. And they, you could just see, I mean, you could just see the blood drain out of their face because they were so aggravated and so mad. And then now I'm being kind and I'm serving them and I'm opening up the door and I'm welcoming them inside and asking them about their day. And, and I wasn't doing it for any reason except it was the right thing and it's the DNA of God on the inside of me. And I know it's the right thing to do. So I did that and I went on about my business. I ran and grabbed as fast as I could. And I go through my ritual. By the time I get up to that counter, oh, sweet Jesus, it's two or three minutes and I've got to be there. And I am in a line from 30 to 45 minutes. It's a maze. It is a maze all the way back. And they've got people standing. You're taking numbers and you're going through it. And just as I got there, I heard these people say, ma'am, 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 ma'am. And, and it was kind of like this little buzz going on. They're saying, and I kept looking. I'm trying to, me, ma'am? You know, so I'm looking. And finally, they pointed me and got, and I followed their eye all the way up to this couple that I had served at the front door. And they're standing there, and they're at their, they're next in line. And they said, <laughs> and guess what? I want to tell you the truth. Here's what happened. I thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. Because everybody's going like this. And I'm saying, oh, God, this whole line, they are going to be so mad at me. I can't believe they're going to be so mad. So I'm trying to sneak up and see. And, you know, everybody did just what you did. They all started clapping for me. Like, man, the celebrity has just walked in. You know why? The Word of God says your gifts will make room. Your gifts will make room for themselves. When will the church stand up and be the church? When will the church start drinking their own cup? Not trying to squelch somebody else's, but releasing the grace inside their cup and saying there's greatness inside of me and allowing the Holy Ghost to stand up inside of them and saying there's more. There's more. There's a whole lot more. And when will the church say the way to up is down? The way to true greatness is to take my gift and elevate somebody's life with it. My heart today, I tell you my heart, I give you my word from the bottom of my heart that I believe in every single one of you there is a God-given potential. There is a God DNA given to you only by God himself that he wants you to discover and he wants you to find. And inside of me is a desire 
to see every one of you. And I give you my word, I promise you that I will never be jealous. I will never be envious. I will applaud you and I will say, go for it. You can get it. There is no time for petty jealousy and junk in the body of Christ because you don't have a clue. Yeah, but you know, Ronnie Ramirez, I just, yeah, yeah, he's really, look what they've got, yeah. Yeah, but you don't know the cup he drank to get what he got. You don't know that he almost lost everything he had and stayed on his face for days and hours. He's looking good now, but you don't know what he drank to get where he is. And I'm telling you, if you'll start drinking your own cup, the grace of God is going to come on you and start using your gift. There's only two things, and I read it in the Greek and the Hebrew. It says, drink the cup. In every translation, drink the cup. And number two, serve all. Yeah, but you know, that's, I don't just serve anybody. Oh, yeah, you do. No, you don't give your heart to everybody because everybody don't mean you good. Yourself, that may, but yeah, but that's my gift. No, no, no. It's the gift that God has given to you by His own power, by His own sovereign will. And it's up to us to not decide who we're going to give to. You take that gift and you pour it out on a lost and a dying world. And let's see what Southeast Texas can do with some people that really have true greatness inside of them. Stand up on your feet with me. This is our season. This is our day. Now, I want to tell you, along the way, there's this detour. There's this detour called importance. Importance. And importance, your mentality of making yourself important, can detour detour you from true greatness. Because true greatness has this characteristic in it that's called humility. Now, humility comes from the word humus. And you know what that means? Human frailty. In all of my troubles, in all of my idiosyncrasies, in all of my frailties, in all my wrong, in all my junk in the trunk, in all my trash, in all my stuff, that that me knowing... That God saw me and saw something in me. But here's the humility. Is knowing that without God covering me. And without him shedding his blood. Without him pouring his grace on me to drink the cup. I would be nothing. Because here you don't have any issues. Some people think humility is pitiful. You know, just walk around. That's what we learned in our religious circle when I was growing up. Everybody need to be pitiful. No, no, no. If you're pitiful, it doesn't take a lot to be humble because you don't have anything. You, you're just down. But hum, humility is not that at all. It's understanding the greatness of God. But it's most of all knowing who you are in your frailty, but with the blood of Jesus applied on your life, the ability to do something through Him that can elevate a person's life forever and ever and ever. And knowing that at any moment when you fall back into your human nature, that you can mess it all up. It's only you staying under the blood, under the grace, in the Holy Spirit in our lives and serving and being the servant God's called us to be. Because the only time you get in trouble with humility is when there's an issue is when greatness gets in there. Because you don't have any trouble with humility when you're not doing good. But when you got great things happening, that's when. But that's when you got to keep serving. That's when you got to keep taking the gift. And you keep giving to people. You keep giving. You keep serving. You keep bringing them to the next level of their life. And we're going to see the church be the church. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for your word. I thank you for a season of significance that you are calling us to. It's not a season that we've ever been in before. But this is a season of significance and you're opening your word and you're, you're revealing to us true heart of a servant. Not that we can push others or be exalted, but that we can elevate other people in their lives. Let us be an elevation source for everybody 
we come into contact with. And for the people of this house and the cup that you've given to this house collectively, let us embrace it with everything that's in us. For everything you've called us to be an example, church, let us live up to that potential, oh God. Let us be the house that you've truly called us to be. Let us be a house for all people, for all nations, for all ethnicities, for all cultures, for all socioeconomic backgrounds. Let us serve everybody. Let us cause greatness to be released in this house because we drink of the cup knowing that your grace is upon us to fulfill it in the name of Jesus we thank you our father our pastors and elders are coming this is an opportunity today that we always give people every single week for those that are watching at home this is an opportunity for you if you want to achieve every God-given potential that he's invested in you by shed blood, then you can have that ability today. Just the fact that you're embracing the fact that you, are, you will drink the cup, then God will grace you to do that. And the joy is much, much greater than you can ever imagine. And then when you learn to be a servant, to serve everybody, the servant of all, you're going to see greatness revealed in your life. If you haven't gotten to that place where you've overcome that frustration and you're finding yourself in that hog pen, there's something inside of you today that's standing up and saying, there's more for me. There's more than this. Then I want to invite you to come and meet one of our precious pair partners here. And God is going to embrace you, give you the power you need to move your life forward in Jesus' name.